The Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, the podcast for the everyday coach, where each week we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's and on your quest to achieve peak performance in your personal life, from professional career, and with the teams that you coach. You know, early 30s. And, and I realized um, my disconnectedness. It took a while. Somebody, one of my employees eventually confronted me and said, you know, you're disconnected. Before you got this promotion, you were one of us. And now you're not. And it's not because of your promotion. It's because of the way you're behaving. And it, it hurt. Today is a very special show for me. I am excited to have one of my own mentors, Ed DaCosta. I've had the opportunity for Ed to personally mentor me over the last three years, and through his mentorship, I've been stretched, pushed, and questioned all to be with you here today. Ed is one of the most engaging executive coaches and thought leaders of our time. As a dynamic speaker, trainer, and coach, he's worked with startups and Fortune 500 companies. He has shared the stage with John Maxwell, Darren Hardy, Les Brown, Nick Boyacek. He publishes a long-standing weekly blog and also hosts a weekly YouTube called Get Edified. The first time that I saw Ed on stage, he was quick to say, Hello, my name is Ed DaCosta, and I am not your friend. Well, Ed, I do consider you my friend, but more importantly, I consider you my mentor. It is so great to have you on the show with us today, and I, I'm just glad you were willing to take the time to be with us. Hey, did we miss anything? Is there anything about your personal life you can share with us? Uh, no, first of all, I'm delighted to be on, on the phone and on the podcast with you, uh, Christian, and also Boyd. Uh, I think very highly of both of you, and I'm, I'm just happy to contribute. And, um, of course, uh, the, the number one thing that you didn't say that has become such a source of, of joy uh, for me is that I became a grandfather uh, for the first time in April. So I've got... Uh, a grandson named Vincent Anthony DeCosta. He's just wonderful. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be relevant to the conversation I, that we have this morning for sure. But it is so easy to know what's most important in your life, what your priorities are, when there's a laughing nine-month-old crawling all over you. Uh, so true, so true, and and I remember I remember how excited you were when uh, when when he was born, and you talking about that and sharing that with us when we'd get on those mentorship calls. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, speaking about mentorship, let's go ahead and talk, go into this first half. And as I said before, this is this is just a special call for me because as as my mentor, you have really expanded my vision of where of what i what I think is possible and what can be possible. You've helped me see further. You've stretched my horizons. And so you've done all those things. and and, and even more importantly, you've helped me uncover some blind spots. And I, I can often I remember the time I still talk about it, talk about it with everybody when we were at an IMC event where you actually pulled me aside and even poked me in the chest and told me, "Hey, Christian, you've got to get out of your own way." You know, Mentors are the ones that help us find us where those real opportunities lie. I'd like you to share with us about your mentors. Who has been one of your mentors and has been helped you on your journey? Well, 
I, I can't let the comment you made go without responding. I, I just will say um, I'm a direct communicator and a direct person, and, and I think, like most of us probably do, I have a, a, a pretty good read on people. And you just struck me as a guy that, that I could be very direct with, plus you're a soccer guy, I'm a soccer guy. And um, so I just thought something needed to be said, I didn't think you were the type that was going to take it the wrong way, which you didn't. You took it exactly as I had intended it, kind of a tough love thing. Uh, the answer to your question, you know, I've left, had lots of mentors. I've had some teachers that in hindsight really did mentor me uh, through my school days that uh, are beyond the scope of today's conversation. But I would be uh, remiss if I didn't highlight the number one mentor in, in my life is the one and only John Maxwell, who we all know, and I'm guessing most of your listeners have at least heard of him um, and know of who he is, um, the acclaimed author of over 100 books. I was uh, very delighted to, to serve on the faculty with him. I'm still in a great relationship with him. He's the world's number one speaker. It's not just a, a claim. It's you know, he was awarded the Golden Gavel Award by Toastmasters, given every year to the number one speaker in the world. So he, he's been named many, many times to the top of the list of gurus in dozens of magazines. And he's not on the top 50 list. He's on the top 50 list at number one. I mean, he, he is just an amazing man, obviously a pastor, very trustworthy man. It goes without saying. But uh, I've been able to get mentored by John on a regular basis, one-on-one -on -one calls with this man where he has been not teaching me a lesson but listening, asking questions, and really concentrating his experience, his knowledge and wisdom on the subject, whatever subject or subjects that I want to talk about. And it has just been a magnificent opportunity, and I and as anyone would, you you know it beforehand. Like this is going to be an important call. Be ready. The first time I I had a mentorship session with him, I mean I I had ten pages of notes, which of course we didn't have any. We're near the time to go through. I think in an hour and fifteen minutes, um, we probably got through the first couple of pages of stuff. But uh, I meet with him every month, so we've gotten through all of it now. Yeah, Ed, I, I want to dig into this just a little bit more, and, and there's two sure. things that you said that I, I would like you to speak into because I don't. We really haven't addressed this a lot on the show, but I think it was pretty powerful what you said. But let's talk specifically about that role of a mentor, and and you, you know, obviously you've mentored me in that. It's not just about holding their hand, but can can you speak a little bit into what this role of a mentor is? And then the other thing I, I wanted to talk about is this whole idea is. Not only if I'm if I'm going to be a mentor, but when I'm a mentee, being ready, and how important both of those are. Yeah, without a doubt. So the the first the first part of your question, Christian. I mean, you can Google Wikipedia. You know what a mentor is, and and read and read. You know all day long, probably for several days, about other people's definitions of it you know it's a counselor it's it's a guide it's similar to coaching but but not not identical um, the thing that a mentor does I think as much as anything else is 
is they represent John Maxwell for sure. He is the living persona of what is possible in the business that I'm in, speaking, coaching, and training. I mean, he is the, the Wayne Gretzky, the Bobby Orr, the, the Larry Bird, or, you know, Jerry West of the, of the profession. There's nobody better. And so just by being him, we could be talking about anything, and it would be valuable to me. But, but we're not just talking about anything. He is listening to my story, listening to a challenge or an experience or an opportunity. And he's not grabbing the microphone from me and saying, well, let me tell you what happened to me in 73 you know, or 82. He's not making it about him, but he does share, and I think great mentors do share, comparable experiences that essentially, you know, say, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, lived through it. In fact, you know, took it as a wonderful opportunity for me. When one door closes, another door empty, or another door opens, excuse me. Um, and we, we've heard these phrases before, but when you hear it from someone with so much credibility and they're not speaking in some abstract way, you know, this wandering generality of a story, they're telling you a story that is specific to them, something that they experience, sometimes a failure, sometimes a, a moment of, of weakness, of poor judgment. I mean, you talk about transparency. You talk about intimacy and closeness. When someone who, who has that much notoriety and credibility and fame is pouring into you in a way totally intended to help you. Um, it's it's a, an amazing experience. And I think because of that, it's, it's your responsibility to be ready. I mean, it's very rare in our lives that someone is focusing on our life. Now, you know, as, as I mentioned, my, my grandson, you know, he's nine months old. You know, so my son, David, who's Vincent's father, and, and his wife, Emily, who's Vincent's mother, you know, they're focusing on Vincent all the time. They know where he is, what he's doing. He's a baby. Okay, but beyond infancy, really, beyond, beyond childhood, it's rare for an adult to have somebody spending time thinking about, reflecting about your life and where you're going. And if you're going to have that opportunity to have that conversation with someone, I mean, it, of course, behooves you to be prepared yourself. It is, in fact, your life. So what do you want? Even if you don't know the answer, and many people, the truth is, they don't know the answer. What do they want? Where are they going? There are moments where they have some of the answer. But so often, guys, you know, we're, we're feeling our way through our lives, and we don't really know. But to share in a transparent way the things you are feeling, the things you do know that you want, or you believe that you want, but you're not 100% sure, even though the mentoring session might influence those feelings and those thoughts and those plans, uh, that's the reason you're in the, in the conversation in the first place. So it's not a failure uh, if, in fact, some of the things that you had planned you, ch you chose to not pursue in part because of a mentoring conversation. 
and I, I'm only going to speak from my own experience, the times that I came to the calls with you that I was clear in the questions I had to ask you and what I wanted to ask you is where I got the most benefit from being in dialogue with you. When I got on the call just thinking it would be fun to be on the call with you, you actually saw through it and, and, right. and, and, and even called me on the carpet to it. I, I think I can go and go back and some of those recordings. Those were the ones that, you know, hey, Christian, it was great to talk to you, but let's move on. I've got to get to someone else. That's so, right. Um, and and that, again, we're not, we're not intending to be cruel. Most mentors aren't anyway. Um, but, but you can. If you've got any experience at it, you can tell the difference between someone that, that has done some homework. Again, we're, you're, the goal of the mentor is not to quiz the mentee about the completeness of your life plan and your connectedness with you know, your values and principles. It's not to quiz you but it's to understand you so as to help you on your journey. I, I teach in an MBA program uh, at West Virginia University, and you know, it's, it's quite often that this, my students, because they know what I do, they don't know what I do because I've told them, they know what I do because they have the Internet, okay? And so they know I'm just an adjunct teaching in the, in the College of Business and Economics, and I'll have them, you know, you know, Mr. Costa, is it okay if, you know, we, we talk before class or after class, which normally means they want some type of coaching slash mentoring. And some of them, man, I am so impressed with these young people because they have aspirations, they have goals, they are, you know, full of ideas, and they just essentially want to know, hey, you're an old guy. Uh, I don't mean old, but you know what I mean. You're older than me. You know, <laughs> does, this, does this sound crazy? Like, no, it's not crazy. And even if I said it was crazy, what do you care what an old guy says? You know, you know, so long as you believe it. But then there are some that, sad to say, they're not prepared. They haven't done, they haven't done much. So they think that you have some kind of, you're like a vending machine of answers, you know. You know, what should I be thinking about? What should I be doing? It's like, well, I'm not a fortune cookie. I mean, go, go, to, a, go to any Chinese restaurant, open up a fortune cookie, and it's going to tell you something that might be profound. You know, it also might tell you something that has nothing whatsoever to do with your life. You know? Well, hey, Ed, I, I, I want to stay here just a little bit longer than I usually do because I, I'm going back to what I'm hearing you say, and I, I think this is important to bring out. Can you speak a little bit? We've been talking about your mentor. We've been talking about mentorship and all that. How about being the mentee and, and, and the power and someone being a mentee? No, I, know, I think I know where you're going, Kristen. It's, it's not only what are the responsibilities of the mentee, which we've just touched on, but also you know, what is the opportunity to be a mentee? You know, is it a cool thing? Is it a good thing for one's life to be a mentee? And again, many people... They don't use the word mentee. They, you know, it's not a common word, but to be mentored by someone. And, of course, the answer is, heck, yes, it's a wonderful thing. But you've got to be willing to be open and honest with someone. And, and if you're not able to be honest with someone, then don't waste your time and don't waste their time. But if you can get to that point where you're comfortable enough in your own skin and, and willing to take the risk, to let someone else know why you're really feeling. And again, I'm not trivializing this. For some people, that is a really hard thing to do. 
But if you get to that point, I encourage every one of your listeners to the podcast to, to reflect on that and really, and really you know, consider it for themselves. What happens is, I mean, we've all heard it. You become you know, the average of the five people that you spend the most time with, and that's not a hard, fast number. But it just means we become what we listen to. We become what we hear. We become what we watch. That's why our families are so influential to us, good, bad, or indifferent. Why our friends as young people, our friends when we're adults. Um, and so you have an opportunity to accelerate your understanding of the real world. doesn't mean you have to try to replicate the life of the mentor. That's not the point. But to take the lesson from the mentor, take the, the observation. I mean, I'm a speaker, and I speak a lot in front of, you know, college audiences. And I ask from time to time, you know, what do you want to hear from someone like me? And, and of course, the, the answers vary from hilarious to offensive, okay? <laughs> but many of them are profound. But the, to me, the common thread is, what do you know now that you didn't know when you were my age, and can you tell me, you know, what do they call them, life hacks? You know, can you give me a shortcut? You know, my girlfriend is pissed at me. What can I do? What is she pissed at you for? I don't know. Have you asked her? No. I don't know. You might start there, you know. (laughs) Hey, honey. What have I done? What have I not done? And then consider that. I mean, so, so if, you, if your listeners are buying into any of that, then it, it's obvious having a mentor or, or a couple of mentors is not a bad idea to get someone else's eyes. That's why when you write a paper, when you, you, know, you, you have someone else proofread it or an email because they'll see things that you you won't necessarily see. And the same is true of our lives. Well, Ed, that, Ed we spent a little bit time, more time in the first half than usual, but I, I just thank you for that because it really, it really speaks into the power of the relationship of, of mentor and mentee. And I know, you know you've actually mentored Boyd, and so let's, let's turn this over to Boyd as we go into the halftime. Terrific. Ed, I, I, would, I would like to have been in the room when you poked him in the chest. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. I, I, I remember the conversation, and Christian's brother was in the conversation as well. But, uh, you know, that's this whole playfully con- confront, you know, confrontational, meaning, you know, it's, it, it appears to be confrontational, but if you get it, you know that it's not seriously confrontational. It's playful. It's like, come on, man, you know. It's Absolutely. just poking somebody and saying, hey, come on, get real with yourself. Absolutely. And when we walk into uh, the halftime, we like to walk slowly into the locker room because I have a tendency of pointing out a couple of things from the first half that you guys have talked about. One of the things that really stands out to me before we dive into some halftime questions is that mentors have mentors. And what I like about your mentors is that through your mentorship, everyone gets a piece of them too. And I find that very, very interesting and beneficial no to the mentees. So true. 
in our halftime, we want to just focus on ways that we can improve the second half, whether it be second half of a game, second half of life, and your insights will help our listeners on their journey. So here's four questions that you can spend as much time on them as you want, but I'll just ask them in order. If you could recommend one book that you've read and has been transformational for you, what's that book? Sure. So um, the book is called Good to Great. Many people have, have heard about it, read it. It's by Jim Collins. It's a red-covered book. Phenomenal book. It's about business. It's about, again, it's an element of human nature that isn't necessarily intuitive to people. And that is, if you've got two companies, one is in bad shape and the other one is in good shape, that it's easier for the company in bad shape to become great than it is for the company that is already good to become great. And it's, again, I'm not going to oversimplify it, um, but it's about complacency. It's about staying hungry. So that book is not only extremely valuable from a business standpoint, but Mr. Collins, you know, the lessons that he gives, uh, Boyd, are just as applicable to to our personal lives. And, and if, if I might add, I, I don't want to alienate um, any Alabama haters. I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer fan, but uh, <laughs> Nick Saban is actually from just down the road of where I'm sitting. He's, he grew up maybe 20 miles, 15 miles from, from where I'm sitting right now. And last night they won the national championship again. Um, <laughs> and they were down significantly at the half, and uh, I'm sure if any of the sports channels and even the non-sports channels, they're going to be talking about it for the next several days. So any of your listeners, you know, depending on when this gets aired, just listen to some of the Alabama players talk about what Nick Saban said to them at halftime. It was very calm. It was very clear. It was very mentoring. He wasn't screaming at them. They were making big mistakes. They were being dominated by Georgia, a school that that they knew well, and a school that, whose head coach had been with Alabama. So they knew that coach, too. Um, he was very calm. He said, remember your tutelage, basically. Remember what you've been taught. Uh, stay calm, execute, and we will win this game. I mean, it's right out of a movie, boy. Right? That is right out of a movie. Cause they, you know, and then he replaces their starting quarterback with a freshman, right, who – who played like Tom Brady for crying out loud, and you know, and and he came back, and you know, and they won in overtime. So it was very much like the Super Bowl last year. So uh, I would say that good to great is is the book, but also if you watch the news with leadership in mind, it's amazing what you hear about leadership. And you don't have to be an Alabama fan. I'm not a particular Alabama fan, um, but you know you know good leadership or great leadership when you see it. What about uh, a favorite quote? You got a favorite quote? Who's that quote from? Oh, there are hundreds of them, Boyd, but the, the one <laughs> that comes to my mind is actually from St. Augustine, and it's conquer yourself and the world lies at your feet. Conquer yourself and the world lies at your feet. And, yeah. That pretty plain. That words. quote by itself is worth rewinding and making sure that we get it down exactly as it says. 
conquer yeah. yourself. Yeah. Check yourself, right? Check yep. yourself. If you're all hot and bothered about other people and other circumstances, okay, maybe there is fault to be you know, to be leveled at, at someone else. Let's just say it's a negative situation. Um, but but one you are far better served as a as a as a man or a woman, as a mature adult, to reflect on your own behavior and your own thoughts and the purity of your own actions. And so St. Augustine, obviously a very wise man, you know, uses the term conquer, master. John, you know, John Maxwell would say, master yourself. Yeah. And yeah. once you've done that, the world really kind of will get out of the way and, and kind of be in alignment with, with where you're heading. Yeah, very good. Very good. And we and when we know moving into uh the third question is that we know that that our success is found in our daily habits and do you have a, a personal habit or a ritual that you follow every day that contributes to your success? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh so much so that I created a document, a form that I've been using for a long time, 10 plus years. And then eventually turned it into something that I gave coaching clients and then finally, you know, put it on my website. It's called My Daily Edge. And it's based upon the, the last of the seven habits of highly effective people by Dr. Stephen Covey. Um, that seventh habit is sharpen the saw. He tells this story and this metaphor about keeping yourself sharp, being committed to lifelong learning, um, you know, making sure that in all of the areas of our lives, and we can't be all things to all people, Boyd, we know that, but you can maintain a slice of your life that you are giving to God, to your faith, to your family, to your, your significant other if you have one, or the pursuit of a significant other if you don't have one, uh, fun, relaxation, um, personal development, growth. You know, what are you reading? What are you reading? Note that I did not say, what Netflix series are you binge watching? That is not <laughs> the same. Okay, it's just not. It's not the same. Um, you know, what are your financial goals? Are you pursuing your financial goals each and every day? Okay, maybe some days, you know, less so than others. But what about your physical fitness? You know, are you don't have to be an Olympic athlete, but are you doing the things necessary which are – you know, the signs are everywhere. Eat right, exercise, get plenty of rest, and drink a lot of water, and don't do drugs. You know, simple things. <laughs> yeah. Simple things. You know, and, and you know, a day that, that consists of you, for lack of a better term, checking the box in all of those areas, man, you can lay your head down on the pillow at the end of the day and feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah, very good. And for our listeners, uh, just so that they know that the Daily Edge is something that I have used, I'm sure Christian uses, uh, on a daily basis, and it is very helpful. And at the end of the day, of course, I rate my day and, and uh, decide if I, did a, if I did okay, if I, where can I do better, and spend some time doing some reflection at the end of the day. But my Daily Edge has been very helpful. Uh, what a great tool that you have provided for us uh, to use and that and you use free. it yourself. Yeah, yeah it's I, I, I've got one. Listen, 
I am checking a box, you know, today saying record peak performance mentor episode, right? And, and right. again, to some people, it's like, well, I could do that with a yellow pad of paper. Fine, do it with a yellow pad of paper. I'm not saying you can't, you know. You could write it in peanut butter on the floor, but the dog will come and lick it up, and you won't be able to see it anymore. But just write it down. And um, so you can get it on my website for free. I mean, it's just a PDF printed. You know, there's, in fact, there's an editable PDF. You can, if you're the type that wants to type it in. You know, I'm of the age, you know, boy, I don't know about you, but, you know, I like a good old-fashioned piece of paper and a pen, you know, so I can jot notes you know, throughout the day. Yes, uh, I'm 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 an old school myself. I like I like to use uh, the the pen and paper as well. And and when you when you put that piece of uh, uh, the paper, the Daily Edge, in front of you, that right before your your laptop or your, your your phone or anything else, it is a kind of a for me, it's a personal accountability tool. It's like, hey, I gotta I gotta look at that thing, man. I gotta. I got to deal with that <laughs> before before I conquer this day, and uh, it it just really helps in prioritizing the right things. Well, I'm glad to hear that both of you guys have have used it. And again, I'm I'm not trying to make money from it. I I just want people to be effective as a coaching, you know, professional. You know, my success, and it sounds cliche to some, but my success is 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 based upon my client's success, which they define. Right, their right. their definition of of a of a great day, a great week, month, year, etc. And so, right. you know, I'm trying to put tools and techniques and thoughts out to them that enable them to live their life in a way they want, not me telling them, you know, this is how Ed DeCosta thinks you should should right. live your life. And so, you know, that's why. People can get it, and, and I've had I've had tons of people I've never even met call me and say, "Wow, this I gave this to my teenage son. I use this. I gave this to my wife." And you know, it's a cool thing, man. I'm a regular guy, and when I hear that someone has done something profound with something that I influence somehow, no matter how modest it is, um, it's a rush, man. I love that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, to, to wrap up our, our halftime, I have one more question, and we'll get out of this locker room sure, and get sure. into our second half. But uh, uh, what is your measuring stick to achieve peak performance in this season of your life? Or uh, another way to put it is what is your current goals for yourself? Sure. Yeah, 2018, we're here right at the very beginning. There's, there's no bad time to start thinking about the future and, and planning out where you're going and and, and whether you're on track, but the beginning of the year is, is a very, you know, typical time when people do it. And I've, I've created goals for myself. It continue to do what I love to do. You know, I want to exceed the expectations of my clients, exceed them, not meet them. I don't want to make them satisfied. I want them, don't want them to say that the talk I gave was fine. I don't want that, you know, that word. I want to serve my creator. I want to serve my family, even though my kids are grown and out of the house. I can't text them. They will respond to that. But if I call them, they will not answer. You know, <laughs> I, I, I get that. It's a season of life that we all go through, and I'm not, you know, I'm not judging them. But I still do want them to know I love them. And those yeah. little emojis that, you know, with hearts and stuff. Even my adult sons, 
They're like, I love you too, Dad. You know, <laughs> which is something I'm telling you, we couldn't say much face to face when they were teenagers. It just, you know, most people get it. It's not that we shouldn't have said it, and a lot of families they do say it, and I respect them immensely. But you know, it, it was it was more implied. It's been more since they've been out of the house. <laughs> From text messages, they get, okay, Dad, we know you love us. Uh, and I also want to serve my tribe. You know, I get to, to serve, you know, lots of large groups of people that I don't get to know that well, and they don't get to know me that well either, but I want, I want to serve them well. I want them to come away from every interaction they have with me, having benefited in some small or sometimes huge way. And, you know, I want to grow my business 35% over 2017, which was, a, which was a great year in and of itself, but, uh, you know, I want to do better than, than I did last year. Yeah, very good, very good. And I know that uh, Vincent is part of that. Part of that uh, Amen. Uh, uh, you, you can't put that in a spreadsheet, dude. You know, you just can't. Like, well, I don't know. How much is a grandson worth? Like, oh, everything, everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to know, before we turn it back over to Christian, how many – of your daily edges simply says time with Vincent. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. He came over, he came over Sunday and, uh, I was laying on the ground and he was doing his, his deep knee bend standing on <laughs> my chest. And his mother's like, Vincent, don't hurt your grandfather. Like he's not hurting me at all. He's nine months old and I'm loving it. So, you know, that'll carry me through for a few more days till I see him again. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's awesome. Well, thank you for uh, a good halftime, and I want to kick it back over to Christian for our second half. Terrific. Yeah. Ed, I, I, I sat and watched the game last night also, and, you know, having lived in Alabama for five years, you can't help but watch a game when there's an Alabama school. Or actually, more importantly, two SEC schools in the championship. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, uh, you know those those reports that the SEC was dead were a bit premature, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah, definitely they were. But I, you know, we're, we we can talk about what Nick said in that locker room, and you know, a lot of people, I, and I, I can I can watch in the Facebook feed. Oh, uh, they're finally gonna they're finally gonna blow it. They're gonna they, you know they're not gonna dig oh, out yeah. of this. Georgia's got them, but no. They, uh, again, it wasn't that there was uh, a failure that was going on. It was that Nick embraced the adversity that was happening within the field and found another way to make it work. Can, can you share with the audience what, where you have embraced failure in your own personal life, in your career, and how embracing that failure became a stepping stone for you achieving significance at this time in your life? Oh, amen, and, and we don't have time to, to do them justice, so I will give you the short versions, and both of you staring at your clocks are going, good, Ed, thank you for that. <laughs> um, you know, when you're telling people information, you're not selling, and I know that now. I know that is true. If you're telling people information, you are not selling, and the reason I know it and will never forget it is the early days of my sales career, I had come through a very effective training program, and I knew how to sell, at least I thought I did, but I knew my products, I knew the features of the products, I knew how to describe what they did, I knew how to talk to 
to potential customers about how they would benefit from using the products. I mean, I was loaded for bear. You know, I was ready to just blow people away with how much I knew. And I went up to a potential customer in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I'll never forget. And I went in there and I talked to a, a, a group of about a dozen engineers, engineering managers, and their VP of engineering. And Christian, I don't think I asked them a single question. <laughs> I just just pitched them to death, the old death by PowerPoint, and I was just on a roll. And finally, he interrupted me, and very rudely, but I deserved it. I deserved it. <laughs> and if he'd have punched me in the mouth, I would have deserved it. But he, but he essentially said, you know, you you haven't asked us a single question about why you're here. And once, once he told me, again, not prompted by a question by me, but by his interruption of my, you know, my speech, I realized that nearly everything I had said to them was pointless. <laughs> it had no relevance to the circumstances that they were in. And so I embarrassed myself, and I felt it. I felt it, and but but you talk about leveraging it, you know, for for the rest of my life. You know, yeah. I I can't even imagine entering into a sales conversation without ninety percent of it being me asking them questions because I never want to experience that again. And yeah. um, one other with regard to leadership, when I when I got my first office that had four walls and a door. I remember how excited I was. I had made it, you know. Here I am. I have an office with walls that go all the way to the ceiling. It's just not a cube at all. This is an office, and look, I have a door. <laughs> and I shut that door because I was on the phone a lot, and I didn't want to have people listening in on my conversations. You know, I was, you know, early 30s. And, and I realized um, – my disconnectedness, it took a while. Somebody, one of my employees eventually confronted me and said, you know, you're disconnected. Before you got this promotion, you were one of us, and now you're not. And it's not because of your promotion, it's because of the way you're behaving. And it, it hurt. It hurt. I got to tell you, it hurt. But it was the truth, man. It was so valid. And so this whole notion of the best leaders are visible you know, leadership is not about an office. It's not about a title. It's not about a comp package. Leadership is about influence, which obviously you guys know where that comes from, John Maxwell. But that you're visible, that you're part of the team. You are part of the group that gets the work done. And and so I, you know, because I, I do leadership development programs, I see it all the time. I walk down Mahogany Row and there's a bunch of closed doors. I just think, yeah, I want to open the door, you know, to these perfect strangers who don't know who the heck I am and say, hey, hey, hate to interrupt, but keep your door open for crying out loud. You know, unless you're having a <laughs> private conversation that requires, you know, privacy, you know, open your door, loosen your tie, walk around that old 1970s management by walking around, you know, let people see you. Know the secretary's name. Say something about their, her grandson. You know, I remember reading a story about Jack 
Welch, the famous GE leader who used to walk around and, and he would take a butterscotch from the desk, a little bowl of butterscotch candies from the desk of a, of a secretary. And it was the highlight of her day, the days that he would walk by and take butterscotch. And when Jack retired, the guy that, that, that uh, took his place, he was no Jack Welch. He did not walk around. And when he did, he didn't take the butterscotch. And it, it just, he wasn't as connected to his team. And so to me, that's, um, that's indicative of the lesson that I learned you know, 25 years ago, maybe a little less. Let, let's dig into this just a, just a little bit because you and I have had a, a number of talks about this from the standpoint of coaches. And, and a lot of our listeners are, are coaches in the sense of athletic coaching. Um, sure. And, 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 this, and this could also go to the executive coach, but let, I want to talk about the athletic coaches for, the, for those listeners that are on here. Um, I, I think there's, a, there's, there's two real lessons that you shared in there and the idea of not show up and throw up. Um, how oh, yeah. often? How often have we seen our? How often have we seen uh, you know the salesperson show up and throw up, or, or maybe as the coach, I'm in front of my kids and I'm just going, blah 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 blah, you know, like the Charlie Brown show. Wah 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 right. wah 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 wah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, what can we do differently as a coach when we're when we're engaging these these young people that we have been empowered with? To, to help them go to their next level, and, and can it be as simple as just asking them questions? Of or course it can be. Just as simple as you know, talking to them and, and, and you know, how did school go today, not even related to the game itself, but you know, how much powerful can my experience as a coach be with my athletes when I can connect on them on a different level? No doubt. It's your personality. To the, to the sports coaches, and again, I, I was a soccer coach for my kids for – you know, if you add each coach year with each of the three kids, we're very much a soccer family. I coached for 15 years and have a, you know, a D badge. You know, I'm not a high school or, or college coach by any means or high-level coach. But I played the game up until a few years ago. I tore my rotator cuff and realized, you know, this is just one injury after another. <laughs> I'm done. Um, but, uh you know, what's the recipe for winning soccer, right? It's, it's a great team environment. Um, I remember having great conversations with my sons um, about how much we really loved Brazilian soccer, right? Um, De Costa is a Portuguese name, so I'm not Brazilian. I'm Portuguese, which is a pretty strong soccer heritage in and of itself. It's not, it's not as strong a heritage as Brazil, They've won more World Cups than anybody. But, you know, the beautiful game, the way that they're so creative and lots of dribbling and very undisciplined, unfundamental soccer. But they're geniuses, so they win. You know, they lull you to sleep and like the Spaniards. But then just a few years ago, watching with my family, watching that World Cup semifinal where Germany utterly destroyed Brazil in Brazil, seven to one, with this blitzkrieg, you know, precision, right. very fundamentally sound, just, just humiliated, humiliated Brazil in front of whatever it was, seventy thousand 
shocked Brazilians and probably a couple of hundred really happy Germans. But, um, you know, so the, the, the moral of the story is, you know, what is, what is the recipe for winning soccer? Well, there are many recipes for winning soccer. There are many recipes for a wonderful meal. And so for you to be a great leader of your team, you've got to utilize your strengths, your capabilities, your personality, what makes you, you. And you can emulate, you know, some other great coaches, obviously, you know, emulate some of the things they do during training sessions or, or how they evaluate talent, et cetera, et cetera. By all means, emulate others, but never, never, ever forget it's got to be your person, your personhood, your personality um, has got to be at the center because it's you. And you're, I mean, it's cliche to some people, but you're the only one who can be you, right? So embrace it. And if there's parts of you that aren't terribly attractive, change them, right? But it's up to you to change them. Get help if you need it. But, but the good parts of your personality and what, what you've found helps you get great results for yourself, for your family, for others. Take advantage of those things because they were gifts to you. And the, the best thing that you can do to someone who gives you a gift is to use it, is to use it to great effect. I, I just I just love getting in conversations with you about things like this. And, uh, you know, those, those are the things that I do miss. Um, Let's let's go ahead and take this to our legacy questions, Boyd. These these are the these, this is where I really love to hear from from our guests is when we get into these legacy questions. So we're going to turn it over to you as we finish this up. Okay. Even though we're heading into the locker room, and the clock has run out, the game is not over. Yeah. Can you can you share with us, Ed, some of your big aha moments on your journey? Sure. I I just shared one. Um, you know, this being yourself, uh, I, years ago I, I got a job. I, we were in Texas. We had our children, our sons in Texas, and wanted to move back to the eastern part of the U.S. I got a job in Virginia, and as shocking as it might be to, to you guys because we know each other, but I decided to change who I was for my new job. I was going to be more quiet and more, more you know, I'm just going to be the quiet guy. <laughs> Okay, I don't know, it's asinine to even think about it, but I did. I did it for about, I, I made it maybe four or five days, like the first week, okay, <laughs> at my new job. And I went into my boss and I said, you know, I've been really trying hard to, trying hard to be more quiet and be a better listener. And, and you know, because at the time I'm still a business development guy in a technical field, my engineering background. And it's so funny, the guy, He'd been my boss for less than a week. He's like, Ed, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I was beginning to think I made a mistake because you are not the guy that we interviewed. When we interviewed, we thought you had all this passion, all this enthusiasm and energy, and then you come in here and you're just like, Mr., okay, that's fine, that's fine. And I'm like, I didn't know what was wrong with you. And I'm like, well, I've been trying to be somebody that I'm really not. And he's like, well, that's not who I hired. So... You know, that was an aha moment for me that even though it can get you in trouble, you know, from time to time, um, you know, be yourself. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Very good advice for everybody who's listening. And uh, this last question is, is almost like if we could wrap up all that we have talked about, what do our listeners 
need to know that you know to help them grow? Uh, what, is, what do they need to know that I know? Well, most of you probably know it, not just from this conversation, but from your, from your many, many life experiences, um, that it's about the people. You know, you know, with all due respect, it's about the people, stupid, right? It's the people. Right. You know, technology is cool. I mean, I'm a tech geek, and I love technology. But technology is no replacement for people. I spend most of my technical career in automation, which you could argue is replacing people with robots and machines. Okay? But it's, it's about the people, not the technology. Money is a tool but it doesn't create happiness. It absolutely does not. Um, so what does create happiness? People create happiness. What creates success? People create success. What creates significance in your life? It's how you serve other people. Talk to anybody who's in the latter, state, latter stages of their lives. They're you know, facing death and you talk to them about their lives, and you will hear either a profound satisfaction of the people whose lives they touched during their life, or you'll hear a profound disappointment of opportunities lost. And each and every one of us is going to get there someday. You may have a long time in that season of life. You may not have much of a season, you know, but you, you will most likely have it. You, you want to have that feeling of, making a difference for people um, right? as opposed absolutely. to the regrets of lost opportunities. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's uh, beautiful to, to end this portion of our call. And, and in turning it back over to Christian for a post-game show, I will say in wrapping up what I have heard, I've heard a whole lot of great things, but what I've written down here um, in a different color of ink is open the door, grab a butterscotch, it's about the people. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to. <laughs> well said. I'm going to, I'll turn it back over to Christian. It's yours, buddy. Boy, do you have an uncanny ability to really grasp what the entire podcast is about yeah. every week. Exactly. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I think Keep your that door actually... open. Have a butterscotch. It's about the people, stupid. That's it. We could have saved an hour. <laughs> Tell you what, I, I think that's how we're going to put it out there when we when we when we put this out to everyone. That that's I, I'm just going to put it out there that way. And if that, if that doesn't get people to to want to listen to this, I don't know what will. Absolutely. <laughs> and, well, Ed, first of all, I I, I want to start by just saying thank you. It, it's been it, I, I've been truly blessed to have you part of my life for the last three years. Um, and when you're going through your difficult time, I, I was con continually praying for you and, and hoping the best for you as, as you came through that and just excited that you you were you agreed to come on and be a guest with us on this podcast as as we've been able to share about the power of mentorship. Um, well, I knew it was going to be fun, but it is it's it has exceeded my expectations. It has been a lot of fun talking to both of you. 
Great. Let's. Uh, I, I would like to share a little bit with with our listeners a little bit more about you that I didn't share in the opening, and and, and the fact that you know, Ed, you 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 have written a couple of books focused on personal professional development, including Ascend and Release Your Superhero, and you also have your your on demand program called Ascend. Can you share a little bit about that with our audience and where they might be able to connect with you on those? Sure. Uh, you just go to edducosta.com. It's just my first and last name, .com. Uh, go to my LinkedIn profile if you want, uh, and you can find out more than you would ever want to know about me if you, some of you want to know more than you know now. Um, and so, yeah, Ascend is the first book I ever wrote. Uh, so Release Your Superhero is the second. I don't know when the third is coming. I do believe it's coming, but I haven't... Um, I haven't um, decided. It's certainly not going to be in, in 2018. But, um, yeah, so what happened with uh, Ascend is I wrote a book. It's my thoughts. I wrote it. I didn't go have somebody ghostwrite it for me. And then eventually, like many people in the personal development space, I've repurposed much of the content from the book and turned it into an on-demand set of modules. So instead of 30 chapters of Ascend, the book, you can take you know, a 12-week, 13-week, or do it on demand. You can, you can do it whenever you want. You don't have to wait a week um, to get the, the lessons from me. I'm not simply, it's not an audio book. I'm not reading the book to you. But I'm synthesizing the lessons from the book into uh, 13 um, particular lessons and then teach on them um, and you know you get PowerPoint and you know so it's audio and and visual and isn't there a isn't there a, a weekly call or a monthly call with you also in yep, that program yep. there's a, we had one last night it's uh, it's our accountability and recognition call and again there's uh, no pressure that people have to share you know more than they want to but Frankly, most do because when you're on that journey and you're moving forward, uh, you want to tell people, "Hey, you know, I, I, I had a very, you know, I, since we'd spoken last, I've taken the action that I said I was going to, and I am, you know, very optimistic about my future." So it's it's nothing but excitement uh, on these calls. So it's a, it's a whole lot of recognition um, and accountability. Sometimes people are struggling; they hit a bump. And they need some encouragement. They need some like-minded people that, that are trustworthy uh, to encourage them to keep going. And, and just reiterate, we can, they can access all of that at eddacosta.com. Correct. Yep. And if you've been on a website, any website ever, you will figure it out. It is not that, not that hard to do. It's pretty intuitive. Well, once again, Ed, thank you for being on the call with us. It's been a joy to have you with us today, and um, I wish you the best of luck as you continue on your personal journey to achieve peak performance. Well, thank you very much for that. And once again, I've, I've very much enjoyed it and wish uh, you, uh, Boyd, and all of your listeners a really prosperous and joyful 2018. This has been the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast. Brought to you by Volta Sports and Leadership Development Group, where each week we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams you coach.
You can learn more about Volta at www.voltacoach.com, home of the Athlete of Significance and the Athlete-Centered Coach.